I've gotten a five-second knockdown. I'm half involved with fire, and I hit this thing with 500 gallons per minute and counted five seconds, and I had it knocked down. We could have gone in with garden hoses. Enchanted Sky Media. Media. This is Code 3, the Firefighters Podcast. Now, here's your host, Scott Orr. That's right, and I will not let Parkinson stop me. Thank you for joining me again here on Code 3. This is the show for and about firefighters. We're informing and entertaining members of the fire service, just like you, from coast to coast. When you get to a fire scene, what size line do you most often pull? If you send an inch and a half, the show is definitely for you. Here's another question for you. You're the first in engine at a house fire. Do you protect the exposures and wait for another engine to arrive or attack the fire itself? The answer, of course, depends on whether you can knock down the fire in a hurry. For that, you'll need a big line, a big nozzle, and big water. That's our topic today. My guest literally wrote the book on the subject and served as an engineer with Las Vegas Fire and Rescue for 28 years until he retired. He's a certified fire instructor for Nevada and he's the author of Laying the Big Lines, a book on large flow water delivery. And Paul Shapiro joins me now to talk about putting a lot of the wet stuff on a lot of the red stuff. Welcome to Code 3. Good morning, Scott. Good to have you, Paul. Same here. Why do some departments approach structure fires with small lines and low pump pressure? Well... There's a variety of reasons. I'll mention the most common, especially if they're operating off a booster tank, they want to conserve water. Uh, most departments have a minimum of a 500-gallon booster tank. We're, we're seeing some 750s now, but nevertheless, they're on tank water, and they want to make sure that they have enough water to continue the firefight until they get a supply line. That's probably the main reason. Method of delivery is another. They don't think they can do certain things with certain pieces of equipment. So. Now, another advocate of overwhelming water is Kurt Isaacson. He said uh-huh. there, are, there are a lot of fires in single-family homes that you can put out with a 500-gallon tank. But is that kind of a tank a gamble? It's not a gamble if... You know what you're doing, you know what you're looking for. For example, let's just say a fully involved garage attached to a structure. And let's just say the garage is the only thing going. I know, based on my experience, that I could hit a two-car or maybe even a three-car garage with a three to 500 GPM stream and probably get a knockdown in no more than 30 seconds. Well, uh, gallons per second is the rate that you flow. It's not the rate that you flow the water. GPM is the rate that you flow water. It's the rate that you use water based on the 500-gallon booster tank and let's say 15, let's say even 10 seconds because I've done a lot of knockdowns in 10 seconds. 
at 8.3 gallons per second, you're using less than 100 gallons of water to get the knockdown because you're applying the rate. Right. Do you feel as though some company officers are just nervous about taking that kind of a risk? Sure. And it's basically because they don't have that type of experience. I'm not saying they're not experienced, but they don't know how to manage their water, especially when they're on limited supply. And so they think they got to go hit exposures only or at least hit the fire with, let's say you talked about the inch and a half. So let's say 120, 130 GPM flow. Uh, they'll use that until they get their supply line. Well, what they're doing right there is wasting water. Fire's not going out, but you're draining your tank with inferior streams. You're wasting water, and, and this happens a lot in the wildland community. What if you misjudged whether you could hit it with your booster tank and put it out? If you haven't laid a supply line, aren't you in trouble at that point? Yeah. What I like to do is basically use half a tank of water. With um, 500 gallons being a minimum, you've got 250 gallons of water to make an attempt to knock down the fire. And that can be done at a flow rate of 500 gallons per minute. So if you don't get it in 25, 30 seconds, then there's a good chance something's wrong, whether you can't hit the fire or from your vantage point, or maybe the fire's hotter than you thought it was. At that point, you shut down and you got 250 gallons that you can work with exposures or whatever you need to do until you get a supply line. And then go ahead and wrap it up with some big... So we can put out a lot of fires with our booster tank. Is it ever too early to start thinking about where you're going to get water from a hydrant? No, that should be done in route, if possible. Would you lay a supply line and then go ahead and use the booster tank first? Absolutely. If there was going to be any kind of delay, even... 30 seconds worth, why wait for the supply line when you, you have 500 gallons ready to use? Remember, we're talking about knockdowns of 10 seconds in some cases. I've gotten a five-second knockdown on what they call back east a taxpayer, a commercial building on the bottom and an apartment complex on the top. Half involved with fire, and I hit this thing with 500 gallons per minute and counted five seconds, and I had it knocked down. We could have gone in with garden hoses to extinguish it. <laughs> or the real line. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Is this just a matter of training company officers to understand that they're able to do this, or what are we looking at here? Yeah, for the most part, it's just reassuring them that this could be done. They already have the means for applying the water, at least they should, whether it's using the death gun at 500 GPM or a heavy-duty 2.5 at 325 GPM, they've already got that down. They just need to know when to apply it and um, have the confidence that it'll do what it's supposed to do. And so it sounds like real-world training is the issue because if you're talking to a skittish company officer, you can tell him it'll work. Maybe you'll show him a video but until he actually does it himself, I'm gathering he probably won't believe it. Absolutely. I, for example, I'll use myself for an example. I had the privilege of going back to the mid Midwest to do some training at the uh, city of Gary. It's it's kind of a, a low-income city. They have a lot of abandoned houses and structures where they are 
allowed to burn them down for drill. And I did quite a few burns there. And what was neat about it, besides gaining the confidence, I was able to measure flows and I was able to time knockdowns. And and that's very crucial in the learning side of all this to, to know what your streams are going to do. And, of course, I've had some blitz attacks I've done on the job. I wasn't a company officer, but I was involved with the blitz attack. I'll be back with more right after this. Every day, you put your life on the line to protect our families, friends, communities, cities, and our nation. Federal Resources knows the dangers you encounter daily. Whether it's fire, hazmat, or the more recent opioid threats, we're here to support you, protect you, and help train you for your next mission. You're looking out for everyone else. Let us look out for you. Federalresources.com. What sort of setup do you suggest rigs carry so we can be ready to overwhelm a fire? Absolutely, you need a deck gun. That's the easiest way to do it. And you need to be able to flow the minimum of 500 GPM. You understand that on tank water, that's the, the highest amount of water you can flow is 500 due to the plumbing coming from the tank to the pump. So I would have a tip size, whether it's inch and three-eighths, or a, a combination of that will flow that low. I'd also have a pre-connect two and a half. You've seen these little Blitzfire monitors that are out there now. They're one-line port, they call them one-man monitors. They all flow. There's, I think, three manufacturers that make them. They all flow 500 GPM, and one firefighter can handle it real easy. I also had developed a nozzle. I don't sell it. I teach people how to put it together. It's called the Big Poly Nozzle. And what it is, it's, uh, it goes on a two-and-a-half-inch hand line, and it's got a two-inch waterway for the ball valve, a 10-inch stream shaper, and an inch-and-a-half or inch-and-three-eighths tip with a uh, what I call a stream-directing handle that I fabricated. And basically, two firefighters sit on the line and flow 500 gallons per minute. That sounds like something you could sell. Let me ask you about the deck gun, because you mentioned that. Do you advocate using the deck gun as a way to put out a structure fire in a hurry, or is that more of a backup for a line? No, I I say in a hurry. Depending on the structure fire, if it's just a bedroom fire, of course we can go in with hand lines and put it out. But if the house is fully involved and there's really nothing to save uh, other than possibly lives, uh, you want to hit it as hard as you can as fast as you can. I'll give you an example where I live, a uh, town I live in. I used to be on the department here, and, and I know the guys, and I saw a call in the smoke one morning, went over there, and they had a two-story house. The garage in the first floor was fully involved, and they are a one-station department, and they had, let's see, one, two, three, three guys there at the fire. The other two medics had to transport a patient and nobody else had showed up. The neighboring department hadn't showed up, and the reserves and the off-duty guys hadn't showed up. They had a hydrant, so with the captain's permission, I got on top of the rig, and we hit the house fire with a 1,000 GPM stream. And the fire went out as fast as I can direct the master stream appliance. And we didn't waste water. We didn't flood anything that wasn't burnt already, 
but we saved the neighbor's house because it was already lapping out the back window, and they didn't have enough manpower to, to take care of that. We had to put the fire out. I guess there really is something to be said for that. Now, you're saying that if you use them on residential fires, it might get them out faster. Yeah, and again, not every fire. Only where you feel there's a need to do a blitz attack and, and knock the thing out. I mean, a fully involved garage, if it's attached, they're supposed to have the fire door and wall to not let it spread into the house. There's no reason why you couldn't use a deck gun on a fully involved garage. You'd probably operate it for about three seconds and you'd have a knockdown. We had a, a car fire one time that was up against the building and it was deep into this parking lot of an apartment complex. Well, we found it by following the smoke and we turns out we went to the other side of the wall. Okay, and we went down the wrong side and it was taking about three or four minutes to get back over to the vehicle fire. And by then, the building would have been starting to, to go. So my captain ordered a, a hit with the deck gun over the wall. We actually hit this car fire. It was fully involved. And we knocked it down. Bought us 15 minutes. Well, that's definitely a unique idea. All right, Paul Shapiro, thanks for talking with us today on Code 3. My pleasure. Thank you. And we put some more information on Paul's company, Fireflow Technology, on our website at code3podcast.com slash deluge. Check it out. Now, here comes your trivia question. If we're talking automatic sprinkler heads, and we are, ESFR stands for what? I'll have the answer right after this. If you enjoy listening to Code 3, let us know. Or maybe you have a guest suggestion. We'd love to hear it. In fact, if you have some criticism, we'll take that too. Just as Chief Bruno would have said, be nice. You can email us at code3podcast at gmail.com or call 928-985-0530 and leave a message. We're listening, so give us your feedback. Here's your trivia answer. ESFR stands for Early Suppression Fast Response. But you knew that already, right? All right, that's it. That's all for this edition of Code 3. Thank you for listening. I'll be back next time with more. I'm Scott Orr, and until then, I'll see you later. Code 3 is a production of Enchanted Sky Media. To get in contact with us, visit Code3Podcast.com. And if you haven't subscribed yet, you should. Don't miss an episode. Find us at the Apple iTunes Store, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts.